Sermon number 638, The Descent of the Dove, the first in that series, The Color of the Dove's Feathers, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerston on Sunday, March 11th, 1973. The text is Mark, the first chapter, the ninth through the eleventh verses. Mark, the first chapter, the ninth verse. Not long afterward, Jesus came from Nazareth in the region of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw heaven opening, and the Spirit coming down on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my dear Son, I am well pleased with you. Under what I believe to be the direction of the Holy Spirit, and under the guidance of the same Holy Spirit, it shall be our attempt to preach in the next several weeks on perhaps the most difficult theme in all of the Bible, the Holy Spirit. Under the general title of The Descent of the Dove, in subsequent weeks you will hear sermons on the presence, the power, the products, and the plight of the Holy Spirit. And today we begin that series by addressing ourselves to the subject of the person, the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you see, is a person, not a thing. You can call the Spirit a hymn, or perhaps maybe some of you would want to call the Spirit a her, but you must never think of the Spirit as being an it. The Spirit is a person, and like all persons, that Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, can be misunderstood and misjudged just like you and just like me. This is one of the problems with being a person. You can be misunderstood and misjudged. It happens to the Holy Spirit all the time. Like that young Australian who a few years back at 5 a.m. in the morning broke into one of the ancient mosques there in Jerusalem, the ancient mosque of the Muslim faith. And he began to burn that place down, and he was almost successful, and when he was caught and arrested, he gave as his reason that the Lord had led him to do such a thing. Now, it's hard for us ever to believe that it is this third person of the Trinity the person of the Holy Spirit that can lead anyone to destroy and kill and murder and steal and cheat and lie. Yet every day somewhere, someone believes that the Spirit of God is leading them to do such things. And likewise as well, many times the Spirit doesn't receive the credit for 
which it is responsible. I know many of people who have been miraculously healed or released from some particular sinful bondage or have come to some new discovery or conclusion to a problem and they give everyone the credit but the Holy Spirit. And they never think of this person as being the one responsible for so much of what we all have in this world. Now personally I do not believe that we deliberately try to blame and quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. No, I, I don't think any of us can be that callous. The reason that we misunderstand and misjudge the Holy Spirit is because we have not learned how to recognize him. We don't know the color of the dove's feathers. The dove, you know, is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think we're ever going to begin to judge this person of the Trinity until we learn to recognize him, which is a very difficult task. The color of the dove's feathers are multicolored. They comprise all sorts of brilliance. The Bible is not real specific in trying to explain to us the appearance of the Holy Spirit. Though the Holy Spirit is a person unlike a human being, we cannot photograph, measure in human terms, this Spirit. But like every other person, you only really get to know an individual when you experience his presence. This is the only way that you know the Holy Spirit. This person that is alive, who is in the world, who is in the church, who is in this church, and if you are a baptized member of the church and a confessor of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that Holy Spirit is in you. But what does he look like? What are the color? Colors of the dove's feathers. The Bible tells us that this dove looks like different ones or different things. When you study the entire Bible, you, you get the picture that the dove looks like Jesus Christ. That's right. Just as we needed Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, to explain God the Father, who is the first person in the Trinity, so you need also Jesus Christ to be able to understand the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And just as it is possible for an individual to know and to believe in Jesus Christ and yet no, not the Holy Spirit. I think it is absolutely impossible for anyone to know the Holy Spirit without Jesus Christ. And the reason that some of us do not recognize this person of God who is in action in the world today is simply because we have not yet learned how to recognize Jesus Christ. A good discipline for any Christian during this Lenten season would be to take the Gospels and to take a good, hard, long look at the historical Christ. 
Well, I am firmly convinced that unless you know something about the Jesus Christ of history, you will never recognize and be conscious the Holy Spirit that is making history today. You won't see him and feel him and know him and be able to tell which way he is directing unless you can recognize him. And if you never spend any time in the gospel, any time in the gospel, and if you don't know how to look at this historical figure who was God in person, who walked the dirt-covered highways of, of Galilee and Judea and Samaria, you're not going to be able to see that same spirit that is in the third person of the Trinity that is walking the streets of our communities today. He looks like Jesus Christ. That's one color of the dove's feathers. And then perhaps more difficult to understand, he looks also like the wind. That's how both John and Dr. Luke speak of the Holy Spirit. They say it is like the wind. Now that doesn't sound like much help, does it? Because who has ever seen the wind? What color is wind? It's, it's colorless. You haven't seen the wind. I haven't seen it either. Yes, but you have felt the wind on your face. So have I. You have heard the sound of wind in your ears. So have I. All of us have been able to look out upon some field or upon some road and we have seen the effect of the wind as it is blowing to and fro. We know what wind can do, can't we? And don't we? So we are individuals who, though we have never seen the wind, we know much about the wind, and it's the same way with the Spirit. You don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it goes, but everybody can feel its presence, everyone can hear its sound, everyone can see its effect. But you know, for a lot of people, that's not enough to know about the Holy Spirit for them to believe in Him. They say it sounds too mysterious, too spooky, too much of the unreal. Yet I notice all of us live with mystery in this life, in this physical life, and we really don't let that bother us, do we? Look at these lights. There's a spotlight on me right this moment, which is controlled by electricity, which you don't understand and I don't understand either. Yet every day in our lives we use some form of electricity. It's a mystery. But that doesn't stop us from using it. Most of you arrived here at worship this morning in automobiles. Many of you know absolutely nothing about the workings of the internal combustion engine. <coughs> Yet that doesn't bother you for using from using your automobile to get here and to go there. Right now, this very moment, through that three-inch diameter mesh that I'm looking at, my voice is being heard in parts of five states, all because of the mystery and the miracle called radio waves. 
And yet someone who might be listening to me this very moment in southern Virginia, I'm sure that they will not turn off the dial simply because they do not understand this mysterious voice that is coming to them in such a mysterious way. You see, we do live with mysteries. We live with mysteries every day in our life. Why do we not allow the Spirit of God to be a mystery? Yet so many of us cannot stand to, to believe in this which we do not fully understand. Yes, which we cannot see with our eyes, but yet with what we, which we feel and, and, and which we hear and, and whom we can see is things are being stirred up about us. You know, so much of the commotion that is going on in the world today, we, we try to credit us, some of us good people with the idea that it is originated in the spirit of evil. Well, I'm sure some of it is. But folks, let's not give the spirit of evil all the credit because I am convinced that some of the things that are going on in the world, in the church, and in some of your lives this very moment, they're being stirred up by that Holy Spirit which you may not be able to see but which you feel and, and, and which you hear and in which you know is causing so much commotion. frightening, yes, and it's a frightening thing to be in the hands of a living God. But I don't think any of us can begin to understand the impact of the Holy Spirit unless we are willing to live in a mystery, to realize there are some things we do not know but which we cannot deny. Realize that there are some things that we just simply cannot describe, some things we simply cannot explain, but things that are there. And they are brought about by the person whom we cannot see except as we see him working in other lives and in the world. The one whom we cannot hear except as we hear him through the still small voice of conscience. The one whom we cannot see but whom we feel in the very being of our soul. Now that's the great thing about those people on Pentecost, in my estimation, those individuals who on that Thursday, the day of ascension, heard Jesus say, go back to Jerusalem, go back and wait and pray, and I shall send to you a power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And they went back like sheep, and they went into that upper room, and they prayed, and they prayed one day, two days, three days, and they didn't know what they were praying for. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit was going to look like. They didn't know whether it would be coming in the form of animal, animal mineral, or vegetable. They, they had no concept whatsoever. But they waited, and they prayed, and they waited, and they prayed. And sooner or later, because they were willing to live in that mystery, not knowing what or whom to expect, the Holy Spirit came like this noise of a mighty wind. You see, if they had had some preconceived idea of how God was going to work or what God looked like, they would have missed it. Because God in the form of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit 
comes often in the form of a mystery, like the wind. You know not where it comes from, you know not where it goes. But you cannot deny his presence because you feel, you hear, and you see what cannot be explained. The Holy Spirit, he is like Jesus Christ. He's like the wind. And he is like fire. Fire. That's an exciting word, isn't it? Fire. It brings all sorts of concepts to mind, and usually I think most of us feel that fire is to consume and to burn, and we forget that it has other qualities. It, it makes warm that which is cold. It illumines and brings light to that which is dark. It purifies that which is impure. And I think that is what the gospel writers are trying to tell us when they are describing the Holy Spirit, this dove whom they say has feathers colored with fire. It, it's difficult, I know, and I wish I could give you some explanation that would satisfy for those little tongues of fire that appeared upon those people's heads on the day of Pentecost, but I'm sorry, I don't quite understand that which perhaps belongs to a hermeneutic principle. But the thing that I do understand as I read about that day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts is this, I understand that those people by the power of the Holy Spirit understood what was happening to them, and that to me is the important thing. Not explaining every jot and every tittle, but to get the concept. And the concept is for us to understand that those people understood what was happening to them, though they could not explain it or fully describe it, except in terms of hyperly and in terms which defy all sorts of description. You see, this is one of the very difficult things in trying to talk to people who live in the power and in the presence with the person of the Holy Spirit. You can't always find the words. You get mixed up and confused. You know what it is, but you can't give it hands and legs and color it the way so that other people can fully understand. You've had those experiences. Have you not been faced ever with a type of a problem that you just cannot get figured? You, you can't come up with a solution and then suddenly, suddenly, just like the wind, you don't know from where, but you are certain that you have the answer. That, ladies and gentlemen, could be the Holy Spirit. Have ever, any of you ever had that feeling where something was happening in your own life, you didn't perhaps like it, maybe you didn't understand it, but in the midst of it there came some feeling that you knew everything was all right? If someone would ask you to, to tell why you couldn't do it, all you knew was that it was all right. That's the Holy Spirit. Some of you perhaps are here today. You, you don't know where you're going in the future. 
Things are uncertain. Decisions you know have to be made. Purchases must be bought. But you're not quite sure. But under it all, you have the feeling that everything's going to work out for the good. That's the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been confronted with some problem or some grief or some unhappiness or some terrible, horrible ordeal, but in the midst of it, you have found a peace that passeth all understanding and which cannot be explained, but a peace in whom you put your trust. That's the Holy Spirit. And I think that is what the Bible writers are trying to tell us when they say that the color of the dove's feathers look like fire. This person of the Holy Spirit who looks like Jesus Christ, who looks like the wind, who works and looks like fire, he is bringing light, warmth, and purification into our lives. And we recognize him when we understand these processes that are going on within the world, within the church, and within the individual. The disciples, they prayed for the Holy Spirit. They waited, and they prayed ten days for that Spirit to come. And when it came, they recognized him because they knew Jesus Christ. They were willing to live with him with the wind, the wind which they could not explain or understand, but which they could not deny. They allowed the fire of the Holy Spirit to upset them, to excite them, to drive them on to new places and new understanding and to give unto them the power to overcome the world. In other words, they followed the Holy Spirit. And the reason that they are enshrined within the book that we call the Bible, the reason that some Christians today call them saints, the reason that they serve as the basis for sermons that are preached every Sunday throughout the world was because they were people who walked by the Spirit, who were filled with the Spirit, and who followed the Holy Spirit wherever he would lead. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he is here. And what you have, you don't have to pray for it. You have it. If you are a baptized member of a confessing Christian, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is within you. You don't have to pray for him. You don't have to wait for him. But not one of us can live the fullness of life unless we are willing to follow him. This is tough, but it can be done. The Holy Spirit is within you. The heavenly dove has descended upon you. Fellow Christians, please, that dove is within you and wants to fly. 
Let that dog that is in you fly and follow him. And you shall find life not only with greater mysteries, but with a greater understanding. And you shall be called the sons of God. Father, help us, please, this day and during this Lenten season to remember that the sons of God are not those people who know about the Holy Spirit and who talk about the Holy Spirit, but they are the individuals who are led by the Holy Spirit and who follow after him. They are the sons of God. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit abide with you and guide you from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen.